Last week, it was my mom and dad's 60th anniversary. And, and, and mom's here and dad's here and um, it was really amazing. So on their 50th anniversary, um, we, we went, we have a family cabin at, in the Wallawas and we, we all kind of chartered a, um, we went on a railroad trip in the Wallawas and then on their 55th, uh, we took hot air balloons uh, in the Wallawas and, and it was really amazing, amazing memories and family being all together. Um, and mom's been, been sick for, for a while now. And so we, we took them, which on some ways seems like kind of a, a downward, uh, but it wasn't. It was such an amazing, uplifting time. Um, we were able to take the, her out to dinner. The first time she's been at dinner for, uh, since before COVID um, in a restaurant. And it was awesome. And it was so neat. Um, I went uh, to, oh, she said, Twigs, that's where they wanted to go. And uh, talked to the manager about uh, getting their private dining room. And this uh, waitress, who, who I know a little bit, not much, and she came over and said, Brian, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And I started talking, you know, telling her what we were doing. And she started crying. She changed her whole schedule so she could help us. And it was just such an amazing time. And uh, it's just a, such a blessing to be part of, of family and to share with family. And, and I hope you're able to do that this summer. You know, uh, renewal time is so important. And especially the last couple of years, I was talking with someone, a friend earlier, you know, we all need some wilderness time right now, I think. Just after the last couple of years, focusing on your spiritual health, on your, healthness, your wellness, um, you know, and Jesus did this over and over. And I think he did it for himself, but I also think he did it intentionally to model for us healthy soul care. Uh, in between the things he did, like teaching and preaching and healing and all of that stuff, if you notice in the Gospels, and all the Gospels, he would get away on his own for prayer, time with God, just reflecting. And I think it's fair to say the further he goes in his journey during the, 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 the Gospel story, you know, the more time he spends in prayer. So many of the great Christian leaders throughout the centuries have done this. And like I said, you know, Trevor just finished a great series on church history. And, you know, church history, that's the story of the Holy Spirit. I, I hope we get this. You know, it's, it's like Acts 29. There's 28 chapters in the Acts of the Apostles. But the Holy Spirit didn't stop at the end of the Acts of the Apostles, right? I mean, it's a continuous story of the Holy Spirit at work through the church. So... So many of those church leaders, they, they did amazing things because of their time in prayer. You know, all of those, but, but especially someone like, you know, Martin Luther is said to have spent up to eight hours a day in prayer. And he said not in spite of the things he did, but he did those things because he spent so much time in prayer. And he'd say things, he'd get up in the morning and say, I have so much work to do today, I need to spend the first three hours in prayer. And that's not me. If you know me, you know, I don't spend eight hours a day in prayer. I, I spend intentional daily time, but not eight hours. And so, you know, for me every summer, I usually try to prioritize a very intentional time of renewal, focusing on my spiritual journey, um, as well as praying about our journey as a church, as a faith community. 
spend time researching and, and reading, and I usually outline at least several different sermon series for the next year, and uh, just really focusing on my spiritual health, and also on my, my, my health, my physical health as well. And, you know, inviting the Holy Spirit to help me to take stock of, of where I am right now, heart and soul. Um, you know, if you know me, I love I love the mountains, I love the wilderness, usually spend time backpacking, did some backpacking this last, uh, last several weeks, and um, nothing better than spending time right by the Wallawa River in Bible study, you know, just kind of setting things aside and focusing on what, what really matters most, what counts. And, and during that time, this passage from Galatians just kept coming back to me from Galatians 5. Paul writes, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, is faith working through love. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. This is what counts. I, I, faith is action. Christians have always struggled with a balance of faith and action. You know, from the original 12 all the way to today. You know, too often there's a disconnect between the faith of disciples and the work that we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Apostle Paul, he spent a lot of time writing about this in his letters. And, and one of the authors that I read the, quite a bit in the last several weeks was N.T. Wright. And, you know, he always just speaks to me. But he really stressed... How part of Paul's call was to model faith and action in his life. He did this over and over and over. It was kind of his superpower as an evangelist, I think. And we have to remember, in Paul's day, they had never, ever experienced Christianity, right? It was brand new. Nobody had any preconceived notions about what the Christian faith was about. So when they met Paul, all they knew was, this guy's different. Something is different with this man. They were curious about him. Why does he do this? His actions, his work. And then he would attribute it all to Christ, right? Because he modeled faith and action. Or like he said, faith and works. Paul spent a lot of time living with the people uh, the, in the churches that he started. And so he lived in like Ephesus for several years before he moved on to found another church. And, and people, they were able for extended time to see a consistent model of faith and action. But the thing, and I hadn't thought about this until the last several weeks, but that didn't stop when he left, right? Because he continued to stress the importance of faith and action through these letters that he wrote to the churches that he started, and over and over and over in his letters, Paul, he, he pushed that faith in Christ needs to be translated into action, or like I said, what he calls works, like he wrote in this passage from Galatians. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts, is faith working through love. That's a great verse to memorize, by the way. When you are faced with a hard decision. This is the type of verse. It, it, it helps as a metric, right, for decision making. Pray about a decision and that the Holy Spirit guides you to discern a path that counts. 
in the grand scheme of things. So the next couple of weeks, we're going to journey with Paul um, and Galatians 5.6, as we, he reminds us of the importance of balancing faith and works. And in this new series, Faith Working Through Love. And we're going to spend some time in several of Paul's letters uh, where he calls us to join God's work for good in the midst of this broken world that we find ourselves in right now. And I want to start with, with a letter. I haven't done as much as some Paul's letters I've studied to the nth degree. But I want to start with Titus, which is probably one not a lot of us have spent time in. Titus, very, 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 very short work. You know, most of Paul's letters, they're written to churches that he started, like Corinthians and, you know, Philippians and Galatians. Uh, those would be the, the churches in Corinth, the churches in Galatia, the churches in um, Philippi. My favorite letter is, is probably Paul's letter to the Romans, and that's not a church that he started. It's, it's a little atypical there. But we have several letters that Paul wrote to individuals, not to churches, like Titus, like the first and second Timothy, uh, like Philemon. Titus and first and second Timothy. They're often referred to as the pastoral letters. This happened about the early 1700s, and that doesn't matter, but the reason they're called pastoral letters, I think, is worth kind of taking a little rabbit trail. Most of Paul's letters, like, say, the Philippians, Galatians, all this stuff, they were written to very new Christians and to communities. And they're written to people often, like I say, that Paul knew. And, and they focus on two things. They focus on belief and practice. Kind of the what Christians should believe, and then the difference that should make in our lives, right? How we should behave. Pastor letters are, pastoral letters are very, very, very different. They talk about church structure. And they talk about church order, like appointing church leaders and things like this. And so if, if we wanted a symbol for the majority of Paul's letters, I think it'd be a fisherman. You know, someone who's fishing for people. But the symbol for the pastoral letters would, would, would probably be a shepherd. In Latin, the word for shepherd is, uh, pastor is shepherd. Um, and it's all about taking care of the flock is the point, these letters. And Titus, like I say, is a very, very, very short letter. It's three chapters long. A lot of it is about church structure. Um, Titus was a real person. He's not mentioned in the Acts of the Apostles at all, but he's mentioned in Paul's letters. And, and um, Galatians 2 tells us Titus was converted by Paul. Uh, there's a whole lot of detail on Titus in Paul's letters if you really want to get into it and do, do your own work. But I think for us right now, Titus kind of was a partner for Paul. And, and his personality, he was like an ambassador, especially like when Paul was uh, having issues with the Corinthians. They weren't seeing eye to eye at all. And, and Titus was kind of the, the intermediary and, and like I say, an ambassador in some ways between them. We don't know where Paul was when he wrote the letter to Titus, but Titus 1, uh, 5 tells us a whole lot of information behind the letter. Uh, Paul wrote to Titus, I left you behind in Crete for this reason. So you should put in order what remained to be done 
and you should appoint elders in every town as I directed you. There again, he's speaking to Titus, this individual who he knows. And the first chapter of Titus is basically Paul's instructions to Titus about how to appoint leaders in the church. And then Paul spent some time uh, going into that on the, the importance of teaching right theology. And then he really spends the rest of the letter on Christian behavior. And I want you to hear the words from the first 11 verses of Titus, chapter 3. Remind them to be subjects to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, show ev courtesy to everyone. For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient. We were led astray, we were slaves of various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, despicable, hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Spirit. This Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is true. I desire that you insist on these things. So that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. I love this part. Avoid stupid controversies. <laughs> Genealogies, dissensions, quarrels about the law. They're unprofitable and worthless. After a first and second admission, admonition, have nothing more to do with anyone who causes division. Since you know that such a person is perverted and sinful, being self-condemned. So Paul wrote these words to Titus, who he knew very well, as a guide, as a guideline, right? Because Titus was making decisions in these churches around Crete. Decisions around church leadership, about, you know, structure of new churches, what they were going to teach... And this was an area that had no background in Christianity whatsoever. As Paul and Titus were leading the norms and the behaviors of the early churches, they were guiding how Christians would be perceived by the world around them, is the point. And I think it's so important for us to remember, Christianity was absolutely brand new, right? The, the world had never, they had no preconceived notions whatsoever about what Christians were like. So the first couple verses of Titus 3, they would become the experience of the Gentiles as they brushed elbows with Christians. Titus 3, 1 through 2. Remind them. Speaking about the new Christians. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities. To be obedient. To be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling. To be gentle. And to show courtesy to everyone. So Paul 
all about converting people to Christ, right? That was his burning passion in, in a world that knew nothing about Christ. And he was incredibly successful. I mean, he started churches all over their, their, their neck of the woods, right? And, and, and changed the world forever. I don't think anyone, it, can, it can't even be argued. After Jesus, Paul had the greatest impact on Christianity there has been. And how do you do it? Well, I think part of the answer is Galatians chapter 5. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. And, and Titus 3 is an example of what that actually looks like, I think. But there were other examples, and, and that was the early Christians. Because like Paul, I think they became an example of what Galatians 5, 6 looked like. Because the biggest draw they had to win converts would be clearly to show the difference that Christ makes in someone's life. With their friends, with their neighbors, with the people in their towns. And a byproduct of Paul's instructions to Titus in chapter 3 was that Christians became known, what, as people who were ready for every good work. They became known as people who never spoke ill of others because this was the norms of behaviors within the early church. They became known as people who don't argue. They became known as people who were gentle. And they became known as people who were courteous. And I think we all know that's kind of rare. I am sure, when I read Titus 3, you know, that first couple of verses, we all just focus on be subject to rulers and authorities. And after the last couple of years, I don't, I don't know how you couldn't. And, and I do want to spend a couple of minutes, because I don't think Paul is saying you need to lay down and just accept, if you disagree with the powers that be, everything that happens, if you dis disagree with the government. There are going to be issues that we disagree with. There certainly were in the early church as well, you know. Um, but I think there's some wisdom for us in this verse in 2022. And I think it makes, would make a huge difference in how Christians are perceived. Because we're largely living in a non-Christian world again. And I think what Paul's saying here is don't be... Like people who are always complaining about the government. Because that shouldn't be the first thing that people think of when they think about us, right? And we all know that guy, you know, who brings politics into every single conversation that they enter into. Don't be an eternal political quarterback, you know, uh, armchair quarterback. Do we think that's what Christ would want to be known first and foremost as the leader of people who complain? Instead, let's be the type of people that others want to be around. The type of people that others, they want to get to know. Because that's what Paul was creating when he wrote these words to Titus. For the whole early church, that's what this whole section would have been about. Christians should be known as good neighbors. 
People may not understand what we believe, but let's be the people that others want to work with. Let's be the type of people who employers want to have working for them. Let's be the type of people who others want right next to them in the midst of a crisis. Because that's what happened in the early church. And it just grew like wildfire. Paul told Titus that Christians, Christians should be positive people, not whiners. The people to change the neighborhood. People who change society for the better. And it happened. The more people saw those behaviors in the disciples, the early church, the more they wanted to know what's the reason behind your action. Which would be their faith. Which is what the next couple verses are all about. The center section of that section 3, 1 through 11, it's, it's all about the, the difference the witness of Christ, or the, the, the difference that the gospel makes in our lives, excuse me. It's the reason why our behavior should be different. Because the gospel changes us. And experience with Christ, it should make us different. Listen to 4 through 7. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness we had done, but according to his mercy through water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The hope. The message of the gospel, he's saying, is, you know, all those stuff he said we should not be, argumentative, slanderous, negative, quarrelsome, we've all been examples of that. That's, our, that's before, right? But not anymore, Paul is saying, because now we're new creations in Christ. And the Holy Spirit changes our behavior that may be who we were, but let's walk away from it. Because now we need to be, Paul says, a people ready for every good work. Ready for every good work. Because the gospel changes, the gospel makes us better people. People who are living out this saying, you know, the transformative love offered to us by Christ. That's, that's, that's our day-to-day -day life. It's so important to, to remember Paul is writing to Titus as a guide as Titus created the norms and the behaviors of the early church. What did he want to be a focus? Well, 3.8 says, Titus, I desire that you insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable to everyone. He says, insist on these things so that those who come to believe in God may devote themselves to doing good works. Paul wanted Christians to be devoted to doing good in the world. Imagine that. They were supposed to make a difference in their neck of the woods. They were supposed to be the people who were taking care of others. 
They were supposed to be the people who were helping within the community. That's who they became because that was their expectation and the world became a better place. Paul wanted Christians to be known as the people who did good, the people who made the world a better place. Be excellent, be profitable to everyone, he says right here. And everyone, that means just what it says, everyone. Not just to yourselves, to everyone. Not just those who can offer you something. Be nice to everyone. Random, I know. But that's what he says, period. Then he says, don't be part of controversies or divisions. And anyone who's been in any leadership, and it doesn't matter what it is, I mean, Boy Scout troop, it doesn't matter, you know, you know there are people who just, that's where they are. They want to breed controversy, they want to breed division. And Paul says that should not happen in the church. Paul says to Titus, if there are people like that in the church, he is very explicit verses 10 through 11. After a first and second admonition, meaning talk with them, have nothing more to do with them, those who cause division. Since you know that such a person is perverted, sinful, and being self-condemned, how do you think he feels? He's very clear. Very clear. This is not how Christian behavior should act. Church leaders shouldn't allow this to happen in the church. And that sounds very cold. But Paul knew one of the most important jobs for Christian leaders was to guide the behavior of the church. They're, the leaders set the DNA, right? The norms, the behaviors, the mores. And, and, and that's what this section is about. He commissioned Titus, create these norms, create these behaviors in the churches in your care. The church is supposed to be a positive influence in society, they're supposed to be community leaders who are all about helping the world around them. Positive people who others might want to be around. That is an amazing, effective evangelical strategy, I think. More than any campaign. But even more important, that is what an experience with Jesus does to our hearts. Like Paul says, those who have come to believe in God devote themselves to good works. And these things are excellent and profitable to everyone. You know, I believe these words are just important for us today, Hillspring, 2020, southeastern Washington, as they ever were in Crete in the last part of the third, uh, last third of the first century. And here's the deal. Christianity's taken a beating. And it makes me very sad. And it's not over. And I can guarantee you there are people who are not part of our tribe who do not see us as Paul says we should be seen. Years ago, I think about 10 years ago, I really messed myself up. I, I overdid it. I had an overdeveloped psoas and it pulled my leg up about four inches and it took a lot of rehab and a lot of massage therapy and I spent a lot of time um, with a massage therapist uh, and we became friends. Um, his name was Glenn. He was raised, he was fascinating, he was raised, his mother was Baha'i and his father was Native American and uh, he later told me he never met a Christian who he didn't see as an angry 
complaining person. He had a whole lot more to say. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and Glenn started coming to our church. Let me sit right over here, about four rows back, about where Rob is. He even donated massages at one point to our Honduras uh, ministry, I remember. And he died a couple years ago. He's gone. But I spent a lot of time thinking about him this last month. He kind of became a symbol for me. I learned a lot. What do people think of when they think of Christians? Not the people in this room, people out there. What did Paul say counts? Is that what they think of, first and foremost? What counts? Paul says there's only one thing. Faith working through love. That is the type of people that we want to be known as. The type of people who are seen making this world a better place. Not the type of people who are quarrelsome and divisive and argumentative. The type of person you want right next to you when you are in the thick of very ugly things. What do you think counts? You pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your call. I thank you for grace when over and over and over we miss the mark that you invite us back to join with you. Call us deeper to join your work. 